0: Hey everyone, here is Daniel Budai with a new episode of our e-commerce show and today I'm here with Charles Tishonor, he's the founder of Disruptor School and also partner in multiple businesses. So his business focuses on education in the PPC world and uh, he works uh, He worked with several big companies, just to name a few, CBS Television. Uh, Nissan Infinity, various Henkel brands, uh, such as uh universities, so you name it, a lot of different companies. And I think you started online marketing more than 15 years ago, right? I remember your hand when somebody... Yeah, asked.
1: yeah. Um paid media like facebook ads a little over a decade and like personal promotion through social digital marketing um almost yeah almost 20 years ago yeah so over 15 almost 20 something like that (laughs) yeah when myspace came around i was doing it so um promoting things and i was a radio guy and then
0: got into business and all sorts of stuff musician and stuff so been using it a long time what did you do back then? How did you get started?
1: Uh, so I was actually, when I went to college, I went to college to be a recording engineer. So uh, I ran a recording studio and I was a true musician. I got a job basically answering phones at a radio station and within a week was on-air talent. Eventually was a Sirius XM radio DJ and uh then there's this big scandal with hulk hogan's sex tape and that ended my radio career because of some other stuff and uh you know court appearances and charges are being handed out and i basically fled 2500 miles to california and got a job uh at an ad agency working for like 10 bucks an hour um doing like illegitimate organic growth hacking for like Disney stars and, and, and stuff like that on their YouTube videos. And um, within three months, I started my own agency, one, this TV show on AMC called The Pitch, um, which aired right after Mad Men uh, for like two seasons. Uh, I was on the last episode, they put me on air. They got, the show got canceled. Bad idea, don't put me on the TV. You won't, you know, your show won't get canceled. Uh, and then like have my biggest client fire me cause they put some money into Facebook and said, Hey, I, I make more with a hundred bucks of Facebook ads than I do paying you 2000 a month. Mm-hmm. And the next day I put my credit card into Facebook, p- started promoting my band. Uh, within three months I was running Jamba Juice and like Viking river cruises within six months. I was doing things for like movies for like Robert Rodriguez, Jane, Simon, Bob, Danny Trejo, stuff like that. Within nine months, I was supervisor at Omnicom, spending like a million a day for Nissan with Activision, Apple, CBS Television, Infinity, uh, Henkel Brands, all of that. And that was like 2013. So um, that's back when you edited Facebook ads with like with Excel and uh, CPMs were like two dollars and mm-hmm. there was no pixel. Um no one Facebook pixel. Every action had to be coded in its own pixel. was a whole mess. Uh, so that was, that, was, that was a long, long time ago, back when there was one rep for everybody west of the Mississippi River, uh, west of Chicago. And why is 7 a budget? budget? No, nobody to hang out with at work because everybody dealt with like Yahoo, Gemini and Google ads. Uh, and so when they came, we became real good friends got to meet them got to know them got to do a lot of tests because they had a big budget it's like hey we have new things can you try them out and i had a very large budget with basically no boss so i tried out a bunch of new things i ended up being like the first person to run lead gen ads and i run a lot of case studies and since then i've been on the cutting edge for like dpa and canvas ads and advanced matching and dynamic ads and you know uh all all, all sorts of that fun stuff. so it's been a long fun road of being agency side, brand side uh vendor side and then in education and consulting uh for everything from lead gen to insurance to saAS companies to big international evil conglomerate corporations and like mom and pop shops and uh, yeah it's been a lot of fun.
0: yeah, that's amazing. That's a great summary of the last 20 years. Uh, And now your focus is on education, right? You put out a lot of content on social Anyone can find you and and follow you. I think you really try to stand out with your style and how you speak, how you speak about this topic. If you should uh, sum it up in one minute, how you are different than... You know, Um,
1: yeah, I would say 98% of people that run Facebook ads have no clue how Facebook works and they even they have an even less understanding of how the work they do impacts the business's bottom line. Um, A lot of people think things like targeting matters or ROAS matters or metrics like CTR or CPC or conversion rate are important. Every one of those statements is patently false and anybody that stands by those are probably negative for the bottom line of your business when it comes to running Facebook ads. Um, So I basically teach from the perspective of what's going to actually help the finance department and what's going to actually grow the business. And generally speaking, that directly opposes what most people teach because most people have no idea what they're doing. And they got into this when it was a bull market and attention was really underpriced. And at best, their number one job is – their number one skill is convincing other people to think that they have any clue what they're doing – even though success is defined as failing 19 out of 20 clients, that's great. Like we have, have a 5% success rate. That's phenomenal. In my world, that is tragic because of all the harm that's being done and disruptive school has an over 90% success rate of brands basically never needing to go back to agencies and scaling with multiple exits in seven to eight figures. Um, and another one that's on its way to do a nine figure exit in the next year or two. So, um, yeah, that's that. The long story short is, I actually know how it's built because I actually helped build it, and I don't focus on the ego of the marketer making a report that makes me feel good while the finance department doesn't give a damn. Um, I actually help make businesses more successful by making Facebook easier and using it the way it was designed to be used, which basically means I am like I teach what less than one percent of people are actually doing. So it's a phenomenal opportunity for everybody out there to actually get good.
0: Yeah, I think before COVID, uh, those, let's say, five, eight years, that was amazing and bull market and, you know, dropshipping and many different well, ideas, they they really, um, they could skyrocket people to seven, eight, nine figures and most of it, it just doesn't work anymore. Uh, but yeah. But earlier than that, so, as, and as you said, you have them build this whole system. So, what would you say, if not these metrics, these are not important, What what is the key thing here with Facebook ads?
1: Yeah, I mean, the key thing I think to understand is that the job of a Facebook ad is to amplify
0: an existing business model. Hmm? So basically it takes your business and it turns up the volume. It won't solve it, right? Because many guys- No, they-
1: no, it can't solve your problem, right? Like, it'll just amplify whatever's happening. So if your business is broken, Spending money on Facebook ads will break your business faster and waste money. Um, And if your business is successful, Facebook will amplify it. And to be fair, if your business is successful, you can do Facebook really poorly and still be successful. Um, I know a lot of brands that are eight, nine figure businesses that are phenomenally successful because the person running the business is great. And there's a, you know, a, a an ad agency that's been around and been lucky enough to hire a client that didn't need them that takes credit for all the success. Um, that, that happens a lot, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and I'll call myself out. Like, one time I made $17 million in, like, a month of mistakes on Activision. <clears throat> call of Duty was still the number one game. And that taught me a lot about, like, yes it can help but also the business is what is what make things is what makes things work uh so yeah i mean i think that's that's a lot of where i come from on on all of this stuff is um yeah it's the way i try to try to take a look at things and i think the other side of that is a lot of people focus on the metrics that they think matter right like we're talking about like euro as improves but ROAS is a fictitious number that doesn't mean anything. It's like conversion rate, it has no real application business wise. Um, conversion rates, another aspect, but if you look at ROAS, for instance, ROAS is attributed revenue divided by spend. The problem is attribution as a concept is complete nonsense. There's no way you can say this ad made somebody do something like that. It's not that you can't track it because the technology isn't good enough. It's that no two customers have the same journey, and customer journeys are often decades long. So there's no way to actually say this thing made this happen. That is a lie. Like, the concept of trying to solve that problem is like trying to weigh the dreams of a unicorn. Like, it's nonsense. Like, it's complete fallacy. So the numerator and the fraction is a number with absolutely no integrity. That's also wildly inaccurate and not holistic because you're not seeing all the conversions, you're not seeing all the revenue. So it's a number that's inaccurate, even if it was true, and it's patently false to begin with, divided by spend. Well, you have no idea how much you spent to make that sale. What you know is, this is how much I spent today, and this is how many sales I'm taking credit for. But if you make a sale today, what was your spend to get that sale? Well, it's not $37 or €200. It's Well, how much did you spend on every platform to get that person to that place? We have no idea. So it's a number that is a complete fallacy that even if it was true, would be completely inaccurate divided by a number that lacks any context. That is also predicated on how much credit for everybody else's work can I take. So the concept of ROAS is basically complete nonsense. What I do look at to get to your question is what is the impact on the business's bottom line? And business in general is the acquisition of revenue and future cash flow at a profit. So, what can we do to better improve the unit economics of cash flow for a business? And the profit margin and volume, right? Every business is a little bit different. Some people want top line growth. Some people want bottom line growth. Some people want both. They want more customers. They want more profit, whatever it
0: is. Who ask which one you prefer or or, or it doesn't matter if You the client decides. Yeah.
1: I mean, for me, what matters most, the one constant in all of those things is the cost per acquisition of a transaction. Mm-hmm. So... How efficient are you at driving revenue generation? How efficient are you at getting a sale to occur? So CPA, blended CPA across the entire business. And ultimately, your definition of success should be defined as when you spend money, how good are you at moving the KPI for the business with respect to how efficient you can co- you can acquire transactions. So it's basically blended CPA to amplify the customer journey that the business defines as most valuable. That's success. And so if you're doing a creative test, you have no idea how this creative test moved the blended CPA on the sale of the particular customer, then you have no idea how that test is going. If you're doing an audience test and you can't tell me, what does this do for incremental, it's for revenue? Well, then you have no idea what's going on. You're just saying, well, I'm gonna look at this myopic definition of success generally based off of metric. Again, it's like complete nonsense. And then saying, well, this is how much credit for everybody else's work I deserve. And based on that, I'm doing a good job, which is ridiculous. Like when you when you say it out in a sentence, You can't get through that sentence with a straight face and expect the other person on the that you're talking to. If you're saying that as a way that you can define your value, there's no way you're not offending that person. And like I find the use of most metrics people care about to be not only negligent, but also just patently disrespectful. Things like row ads. and then they'll look at other things that just don't matter like cpc on facebook is completely irrelevant click rate completely irrelevant. um yeah so look at happens. business you're paying me to make the business better what am i doing and if i can't tell you then i don't know how if i'm doing a good job or not and i can't improve so i think 98 of people that touch facebook ads have no idea how to answer that question so mm-hmm. I try to help people solve that.
0: Yeah, thanks Charlie. Um, so <clears throat> because you do a lot of education and you can see the market for for a long time. Let's talk about uh, Facebook ad agencies because there are different choices sure. what they use and in your opinion what are those which just complete, you know, nonsense and what which are those that you like and, and you think it's it's fair on both. Yeah.
1: Sides? I think ultimately there are a lot of different business models that work and I think that there are contracts set up to benefit both parties and there are contracts set up that ultimately become a li- create liabilities so if your ad agency cannot point to their incremental lift on your bottom line but they charge a commission on ad spend. Yeah. They are encouraged to take as much credit for everybody else's work to take a larger and larger commission by spiking your ad spend. Generally, the way they spike ad spend is by looking at something like ROAS and saying, oh, uh, we're getting you, you give us $10, we're giving you 50. This is great. Give us more money. But you don't actually see a bank account go up. So they're basically just taking as much credit for every other member on the team's work, including the founder, and then using that to be a larger and larger liability to the bottom line of business, which is why most ad agencies fail most of their clients, because they're not set up in a business relationship to actually benefit the client in any way. Um, There's also contracts that are like flat fee. Um, where well, there's no commission. I, I like those because, and I'm not saying commissions are bad. Like, I, I've worked on commission stuff where it made sense. Mm. We're like, our definition of success has nothing to do with the Facebook report. Our definition of success is is your finance team happier? And are we a part of what's making that work? Great. Now we're simpatico. Um, if it's a flat fee, those could be great too. Um, but the problem with flat fees is it doesn't incentivize the ad agency to put the best employees on the job. It basically says, I've got you in line for three to six months. I'm gonna make sure that you're happy, but I also don't need to care about you because my efforts should be on acquiring new sales. I'm not gonna grow revenue if I'm charging everybody the same price and that price doesn't change. So there's a misalignment there as well. Like I'm not encouraged in any way to put my best person on you when they could be acquiring
0: new revenue. Do you think the commission is necessary to have that incentive?
1: No, I don't think so. Here's what I like. And this is what, when I've built agencies, the way that I tend to work is something that looks more like I might have a commission on there, depending on the scale. But what I like to do is I will raise what I like to do generally is rate, have a built in scale of the retainer that comes along with it. So say you hire me for $5,000 or $10,000. Let's say it's 10, 10K a month. I'll say every three months, it goes up by 10%. Mm-hmm. You're like, wow, 10% more? Like, if I did my job right in 90 days, you're going to be like, wow, you're only a $1,000 more. Done. My job isn't to make the report look good. My job is to make sure that you are stoked about the price only going up by 10%. And if I can make sure that when that happens, your response is amazing, thank you so much, and then that's it. I'm gonna make more money on a regular basis. I'm gonna grow with you. It is, it is incentivizing me to do my best effort to grow your business and make you happy. So I'm focused on putting my best person on the job. I'm focused on doing the best that I can because I can make more and more money without having to do any more work. As a matter of fact, when you scale businesses, generally it's less work to operate um, the, the ad accounts. So the way I make more and more money by doing less and less work is by doing higher quality work and retaining my customers. That model is one that I don't see happening almost ever, but it's the one where everybody's aligned. Because at the end of the day, if an ad account, if an ad agency is good, you can't pay them enough. Like I've had students in the MBA program, Facebook Ads MBA program, where they came in and they started at fifty thousand dollars a month. Now they're doing a million a week. If you were to pay an ad agency ten thousand a month to go from to get you from one place to the other, like you, you could pay that agency a million a year, and it would still be a good investment. Like there's no the amount of money you pay can never actually be like you're, you're always getting it at a massive discount of the value if they're good. And if you are good, then you should be rewarded for doing good work. So anyway, that's the way that I like to look at things. And in general, I will either do that on the contract or I'll do it with the media buyers where the media buyers make more money as the contract goes on. And so sometimes if it's a flat fee plus commission, all do flat B plus commission, but what the media buyer gets paid goes up over time because they're rewarded as the commissions go up as well. So everybody on the team is incentivized to do the absolute best work possible.
0: Yeah, actually you are the first person who is <clears throat> saying this model, but why I really like because agencies, they usually struggle how to increase the value of, uh, one, of the, one client they try to sell multiple services, but I'm not a fan of that. I prefer, you know, focusing on one thing. And if you use this model, then uh, the agency solves this problem. You charge more and more and more, but also you generate more money. So you are aligned with the client. Actually, that's very smart, so. Yeah, so it's like,
1: say for instance, I have, half a, I have five clients that I'm charging 10000 a month. Mm-hmm. If at the end of the year I lost one client, but everybody else has gone up by two grand, three grand a piece. I'm making more money doing less work. Yeah. And my clients are stoked. I actually don't need to bring on another client. Like it's actually almost counterintuitive for me to bring on more clients because if it, if it costs me to do less quality work, because I'm built in pay raises on a regular basis. So it's a really great way for a freelancer to make tremendous money um, in a way where, let's face it, generally speaking, most ad agencies' biggest problem is their sales department's not keeping up a new flow of clients. If your ad agency's biggest problem is your sales department isn't good enough, what that tells me is your ad agency's biggest problem is you're not good at your job. And that's your problem. Um, you can't say, look, we don't meet the needs of our clients. They don't like us. Our biggest problem is we don't have enough sales. Like, that's a complete misalignment. And there's also this, like, complete narcissism to that business model. Because it's basically saying, oh, well, if the client fails, it's not our fault. And if it is our fault, well, it was, it's, like, not our responsibility. Like, the, the, there's so many removals of accountability to the fact that what you're doing as a business is causing harm to other human beings and charging them a phenomenal cost to do it. Yeah. Like in my world, that just makes you such a terrible person that like the way I pay my bills is by creating harm in the world and in draining people's bank accounts for the privilege of me damaging their future. Like for me, that that's just, that just makes you such a terrible person. And it's complete choice. So like, that's where I come from. Anyway, like having been the person that was like spending a million a day at a 20% commission before, like I get how ridiculous all of this is. Um, Yeah, because when I was at Omnicom as a supervisor of West Coast operations, like CBS television, million a day, 20% commission. And I might have a couple, one week, I might have five different TV shows to launch, each of them with three or four days, to spend a million bucks. In that week, I generate two, three million dollars in commissions for basically launching a reach and frequency campaign, which takes 30 minutes, tops, and then paying like the creative team, having them spend a few hours making a deck that looks nice. Like that's not worth three million dollars, but... I get, like, I've seen it extrapolated out so much that it really taught me that lesson. I ended up getting fired from that job because I saved the client like $200,000 on a million dollar ad spend. And what that meant was I cost $40,000 in commissions. And I did it across like five different accounts. So I lost like $200,000 to the company by doing good work for the client. And to be fair, most ad agencies are set up so that the media buyer does a good job they're likely to get fired. And I don't think that people really realize that. So I'm here to say in my personal experience, I got fired for doing good work. And most agencies are set up to repeat that mistake over and over and over again.
0: Yeah, I think one thing you can do is just really have a ceiling of your maximum, you know, what's the maximum commission you can get. We started implementing it and uh, just with a few clients and... I know it limits us, but um, we we are aware of this, that they can, you know, if they pay a ridiculous amount of commission, they can just hire someone else who will be as good as us. We are not some unicorn in email marketing, you know, so that's the reality. And if we hit that ceiling, we are happy. Hey Budai Nation, welcome to the Ecom Show. I ask you to subscribe to this podcast, and if you like it, make sure you share it with at least one friend. As you probably know, we don't run ads. Our growth is purely organic, so it would mean the world to me if you could support us. I hope we can serve our audience in the best way. And now let's jump into the episode.
1: Yeah, that's, I mean, that's that's great. That means those people are probably never gonna leave you, and you're doing great work, and you get like half a dozen of those, and everybody's happy. Or you get a 20 of them, who knows? But like, that's the goal, right? Like you just hit that and then your number one job is to just field inbound sales of people like, can, you, can I please hire you? Like if yeah. that's your entire sales department is saying yes when people beg you, you're doing a good job.
0: Yeah. So <clears throat> let's talk about the role of a media buyer nowadays, because I think it, uh, it changed a lot in the past few years. I just had uh, Visca Media in this podcast two days ago. They were also at the GeekX event uh, in LA, and uh, they focus on creatives. And we discussed that, you know, nowadays it's more important than than ever. But what about the media buyers? So what's their role nowadays? How it changed? What's your opinion on this?
1: Um, I would say the media buyer's job basically changed in 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's basically, the, it's been basically the same job for the last five years. And Facebook changed. Facebook's had no meaningful change since 2018. Email hasn't dramatically changed in the last five years. Search hasn't dramatically changed. There's little nuances here and there, but like that's just keeping up, right, with the changes. But your media buyer's job, in my opinion, is to be an investment banker. Okay, You give me money, my job when you give me money to invest for you is to bring it home with more of its friends. That's my job. Now, the way that we do that, generally speaking, now there's a lot of people who may or may not disagree with me, but like, hey, give them enough years and they'll start quoting me instead of hating me, that happens constantly, um, is you need to use the machine as it was designed to be used to stabilize the front end of the business so that what people are doing after the click gets better and better, and then use the reward of that stability and that testing to amplify the investment. So really what that means is, yes, creative testing is key. I think most people do phenomenally, just say they, do, they do way too much creative testing but I think creative testing is the key. Creative testing is a liability. If the business is successful, why are you trying to attract new types of attention? What's a business? Monetization of attention for future cash flow at a profit. If this works, and I say the path to success is now to completely just mess with the front end of this and try to attract all sorts of new types of attention create massive instability and invest the majority of my money in losing ideas that there's no conceivable way that that's going to end in a net positive result. Like that doesn't make any sense. I think that the reason creative testing is working for folks isn't because the new ads are great. It's because when you launch a new ad, Facebook does show it some preferential treatment. And so folks are just launching new ads constantly and effectively playing the lottery on like the first five, 10, 20 days of an ad. And before it goes back to like, well, this is how it behaves now. And instead of leveraging a machine learning platform that gets smarter and smarter, you let it. instead of getting an employee that wants to do better and letting them stay on the job long enough to be irreplaceable, you're saying, I'm going to give every new employee, I'm going to let them, let's say we're running a hundred meter race, I'm going to let them start halfway down the track. And as soon as you can't beat them, I'm firing you, and I'm gonna replace you with somebody else that starts halfway down the track. And so your entire business is predicated on, can I get enough of these, can I get enough of these completely unsustainable, depreciating assets to occur often enough that I can make it look like this business is successful? But I haven't actually developed any assets that appreciate in value. Mm-hmm. Right, like I've got my creative creative fatigue itself as a concept is a complete myth. It, it, it's user error. Um, generally, there's th- like so. I mean, we can get into why creative fatigue is complete nonsense, but the TLDR on that, to quote my buddy Raba from Triple Whale, the TLDR on why creative fatigue happens is one because you're using targeting audiences, which is stupid. So you're forcing ads on a really small group of people, where the vast majority of people you should be reaching aren't seen. Like. Using one percent lookalike—that's a ninety-nine percent exclusion of the people that want to see your ad based on data you don't trust in the first place. That's dumb. Or you're launching a bunch of ads that all look the same. So you're like, great, I've solved this problem. What I'm going to do is find seven other solutions that do the exact same thing, and then get mad when the first solution loses a little bit of of, of, shit, of loses a little bit of the of the share of the work. Mm-hmm. Well, like you just solved the problem, and then you brought in five other things. That- going to do as well especially when the new ones start the 100 meter race 50 meters down the track what they do is they do silly things like they'll do a bunch of testing like 100 ads 50 ads and aid in where every ad gets a fair shot and that's like the dumbest thing ever because like let's say you're really good and 10 percent of your ads are a win that means 90 percent of your investment was spent on developing things that are harmful to your business and ultimately All of that was done so you can get really effective at introducing instability into the front end of your business, which again, makes no sense. The job of the media buyer is effectively to manage the factory. You are your team. Your job is to be a manager. It's called the ads manager, right? Your job isn't to micromanage all the employees. Your job is to make it so the employees are better when you're not there. Your job is to be a good boss and to give your employees better tools to be successful. So that ultimately, like, it doesn't matter how if let's say, like, let's say you work at Starbucks, no matter how good anybody is at managing a Starbucks location, the bottom line of success for Starbucks isn't really going to be moved, even if you work 24 hours a day. The point to that being that The job of the media buyer isn't to take credit for everybody else's work and do everything. The job is make it so that repeatable tasks that are happening at a very large scale see more data faster and opportunities are taken more advantage of. So it's amplify the business that works and stabilize the business so that Landing page optimization can be done more effectively, so that upsells can be done more effectively, so that the search team, ha- the Google team, has more people to talk to, so that the email list continues to grow. And if the email team sees twenty different types of people, how many flows do you have to make on a bunch of different products, where each product, each person is completely different, and the flow that worked last week doesn't work anymore because you just changed all of your ads, you're bringing a completely different type of person into the store. How can you possibly expect the email team to be any good when the Facebook media buyer is trying to do everything they possibly can to make the business unstable? Like, that makes no sense. And email's phenomenally more profitable than Facebook. Like, if you break even on Facebook, you're doing a good job. Email costs like a penny to make a thousand dollars. Like, it's so different, the unit economics. So you can either say, this business is gonna be successful By me doing everything I can to destroy everybody else's work and then take credit for all of the things that they do. Or I can operate my business with respect for my team as my standard operating procedure. I'm going to stabilize what works. And when something's effective, I'm going to bring in more of it. And ultimately, I'm going to let the business grow because what I'm doing is I'm amplifying the value of everybody else on the team. That's the media buyer's job. Anything they do that gets in the way of that is a liability to the business's bottom line. And any Facebook ad agency media buyer who says what we do best is ultimately create harm to everybody else on the team, introduce instability, and take as much credit for everybody else's work as possible is somebody you should never work with. Like if they say, we do a lot of creative testing, we do a lot of audience testing, we focus on ROAS, we're taking the commission on your ads, and all of that stuff, giant red flag, fire them immediately because they don't give a damn about your business. That's where I come from, at least, as somebody that is every single day repairing the damage of these low-integrity used car salesmen doing the rain dance until a hurricane comes and then taking credit for the flood, which is, again, like 95 98% of the people in the business. And I don't think everybody doing it with malice. I think they legitimately don't know that that's what's going on, because we are generations of media buyers deep into somebody that was good enough back in 2016, 2017, 2018, before the real big change took in account, they were good enough to realize that they were getting paid a fraction of what they were worth. They started getting their own clients, they hired some of their friends and basically they built a business on overworking and poorly training people that they underpaid and having a sales team that can acquire more and more customers. So we are generations deep. Yeah. Starting 2016, 2017, 2018, there was this massive explosion of Facebook ad agencies. And most of them were founded by people that were good at day trading on Facebook and could do sales. A lot of big personalities. I mean, how many folks do you know started an agency in 2018 that are really popular on Twitter and speak on all the stages and, or whatever else, right? All these wonderful people. And they're really nice people, and they're great at sales, and almost all of them hate me. And that's fine. Um, I'm a liability to their business because I try to help businesses, not abuse them for profit. Um, but basically, their business model is I would have a really good sales team. And then I underpay, poorly train, and overwork employees. Yeah. Those employees eventually get pissed off, get good enough to do it. And they basically repeat the cycle of abuse. And we are generations deep of that cycle of abuse being repeated over and over and over again. And the honest truth is, I I think we are so far down the line that it's not malice and neglect on the form of the media buyer. They legitimately don't know that what they're doing is wrong. I talked to media buyers that have been in the space for three, four years, really well regarded, running million-dollar agencies, eight-figure agencies, and I asked them a simple question of like, Can you tell, you have a winning ad. Can you tell me the impact of that winning ad on the cash flow of the business? And they say, oh, well, that's impossible. And I say like, well, then how do you know you're doing any good job? How do you know it's a winning ad? And they say, well, because I'll as this or that. I'm like, okay, but what does that mean to the customer or the finance department or the warehouse team? Oh, we don't know. Okay, so you don't know what you're doing. If you can't answer the simple question of, I gave you money, what happened because of it? you shouldn't give me any money like it it just it just doesn't make sense so i mean anyway that that's sort of where i come from in all of this um yeah, I
0: think a big part of this is that they never ask those questions from their clients they they don't see the whole picture the whole business just the facebook ad ROAS <sighs> and those numbers they never ask these questions maybe even if they did they don't understand the thing you know um, yeah so yeah yeah yeah
1: and to be fair, I think that misinformation is so tremendously popularized that you've got ad agencies. Like, there's an agency. No, nothing against them. I've never worked with them. Just, just the name of the company. That's the only. I, I, have, I don't even know who they are. But. I got ads the other day for an agency called 10 x Roas. Their agency name is basically a metric that is complete nonsense, but it's a great sales page. I think
0: I saw them somewhere. I will Google it. Yeah,
1: they've got good Facebook ads. I saw them, but the name of the company is we don't give a damn about anybody or your bottom line. That's the name of the company is we don't give a damn about your finance department and we're going to take as much credit for everybody else's work as possible by lying to you. That's the name of the company, no slight against them. Don't know who they are. They're probably really great people. Again, not trying to say harm. I'm saying that legitimately good people don't know how off they are when it comes to understanding this stuff. I mean, how many times do you see things like we're going to get you a three X, we're going to get you a 10 X, we're going to get you 20 X row as X, Y, and Z. And the bottom line is that doesn't mean anything.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have one more question. So we started this question, you know, about the quantity of creatives, right? And uh, if I understood correctly, your point is that, uh, testing a lot of creatives, it doesn't make sense. You should rather focus on the good ones. You should know how to create great creatives. And actually Molly Pittman shared the same thoughts a few episodes before. So you are on the same page. And I can see so many guys doing a shit ton of creatives. They test them, and then they open their arms. Okay, nothing works. Fuck this business or fuck these ads. Mm-hmm. And the uh, yeah, end of the game. Why, why is that? Lack of confidence? Lack of skills? What, what's your opinion on that?
1: I think it has to do with the lack of understanding of what they're doing for their job. Mm-hmm. I, and I don't want to say this as a pejorative. So I'm throwing it out there, this is not meant as an insult. I think most people that run Facebook ads are completely ignorant to how Facebook runs or how to define success. And all it means is they were poorly taught by other people. Um, And I think Molly's a great person. I've met her more than a few times. I think, you know, she's been in the game a long time. We definitely don't see eye to eye on almost anything. But I love to see successful people in the space, especially, I hate that I have to say it, but especially a strong woman in the space that's basically dominated by small dick energy like alpha bro white dudes in America that are complete just garbage people. Um, And that's amazing. Why is most creative testing not working? I think because people don't know why they're doing the creative test and they don't know how to test and they don't know how to measure the success most problems occur from people valuing the wrong metric asking the wrong question and what their definition of success is so let's play this out creative testing valuing the wrong metric they're looking at roas or they're looking at cpa on the platform but like if i a 100 ads and something sell it gets five sales and the ROAS or the cpa is great that ad is just the one that was lucky enough to move it what was that metric doesn't mean anything. That's a luck metric based on an extremely low set of data. Like, you could never go and say, I have a scientific study and I'm really well-respected because I got five data points. Like, that is ludicrous. And so then it goes to, well, they're asking the wrong question. They're asking the question of, well, how how do I get a winning ad, okay? But it's not about how you get a winning ad. It's how do we get an ad that ultimately improves the unit economics of the business from an investment banker standpoint to make the finance team happier? That's the real question. How do I make a better investment as a company? And ultimately comes down to the definition of success. A winning ad's got a great CPA, a great ROAS. No, it doesn't. That has nothing to do with the success of an ad. A winning ad is what does it have to do to the bottom line of a business? One of the biggest things I see all the time, people say, well, Facebook is dumb. The ad with like the worst ROAS and the highest CPA gets all the spend. And they turn that ad off and the business tanks. Well, what was that ad doing? Oftentimes those ads have really low CPMs and really low frequencies. Like if you did a four PI analysis, which is spend frequency, uh, and then CPM and, and efficiency if you were to find well that ad that sucks is the reason that Google searches 3x and you're getting 100 new emails a day. Like that ad, the Facebook metric looks bad the attribution looks bad and as soon as you turn it off you lose 10% of revenue because you're asked, you're defining success on how much credit for everybody else's work can I take with this ad The definition of success, if we go back in reverse order, the definition of success should be how do I move the business forward more effectively in a stable way? I need an ad that can help me improve what I'm doing. So the question I need to ask is what is in my portfolio of my few winning ads? And to be fair, like I'll spend $100,000 a day on like four or five ads. What do more, more than that bad for you. Because I can say, look, this is my team. Let's let's use, you know, football, uh, European football as an analogy. I got 10 guys on the pitch. Awesome. Do I need five more strikers? No. But I can know that, like, one or two wings aren't really great. So let me improve them. Let me find my weakest link on the team, and let me improve their ability. If I can improve – if I can make my weakest links stronger – I'm better. And then ultimately, like what metrics do I care about? My metric that I care about is can the business afford to spend more money next week? Like, yes, now I'm looking at it as like, how do I spend more money? And yes, that can be you know benefiting because if I have a commission structure in place, which totally again can happen. But if I'm I'm answering the question of how do I spend more money, and that's answered by making the business revenue and finances look better, so it becomes a liability to the growth of the business to not invest more into the growth. Like if I give you a 10%, if we're working together and your bottom line improves 10%, your top line improves 15%, why are you not spending at least 2% more next week? Yeah, you You remember that. Yeah, yeah. 5% a week is 3x a year. Like, if you can legitimately just spend 5% more each week, you'll 3x your business. You can do a lot more than that. Like, I've I've regularly done 10, 20x growth in businesses year in, year out, and all sorts of verticals. Because, again, like, the bar is, can I spend 5% more next week? What do I need to solve in the business to make that happen?
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a good mindset. Just 5% every week, and then you triple in one year.
1: Yeah, like just do that. Like triple growth, fantastic. And mind you, that's that's paid ads. It's not necessarily top line, bottom line. But believe me, if you're tripling your Facebook ad budget, it's because everything else in the business is looking great. Like it's the lowest bar and the easiest thing to do. Like if you're spending a thousand bucks, how can it be a thousand and fifty? How do you say, like, okay, you know what? That's good. I'll do that. I got an extra 50 euro to spend today. That's the easiest problem to solve. If you can just say yes every week, you're going to be at 3000 real quick.
0: Yeah. Amazing Charlie. So, um, yeah, it was a great conversation, longer episode than usual, but, uh, I do talk a lot. I really like that you clarified so many things today. For example, what's the job of a media buyer? Because it looks like 95% they don't know that. So I hope many people listen to this one. And thanks uh, to the listeners as well. Every week we come out with two new episodes now. In the description, I will put the link of uh, Disruptor School. Also, I will. Yeah, I love your t-shirt. What it says, fuck, ROAS, yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. If you disagree with this, DM me and I'll help you be less of a liability to every person you ever do business with ever again.
0: Yeah. Yeah, amazing. So yeah, we will put the links into the description so you can reach out to Charlie, great guy from uh, LA. And also I will put a link into the description, which is a free email marketing of the checklist that we use with our clients too. You can go there and download it. Stay tuned everyone and have a great day.